Hello and welcome to the Brave Business Podcast brought to you by the accounting, tax, audit and advisory firm Blick Rothenberg. Brave by name and brave by nature, this new series is different. Aimed at entrepreneurial businesses, we focus on providing market updates, practical guidance, timely insights and professional opinions from industry experts helping you make informed decisions for your business. I'm Declan Curry, journalist and broadcaster. Today, of course, we're having our conversation the morning after the Chancellor's budget. My guests and I are going to discuss how the latest decisions will affect everyone from individuals to owner-managers to corporate businesses. My guests are Nimesh Shah, who's the chief executive of Blick Rothenberg, uh, Rob Goodley, who's a corporate tax partner, and Simon Rothenberg, who's an audit, assurance and advisory director. Welcome to the three of you. Nimesh, I'll start with you just to give us the the overview on this. The papers this morning uh, referring to the Chancellor as hey, big spender. But you were somewhat underwhelmed by the budget. Tell me why. It was certainly a well-executed speech. He'd done his preparation without question. But for me, it was a budget that lacked substance. Uh, we were expecting a lot more. We were told about help for working families, we were told for investment in infrastructure, a lot of that had been leaked before. We were expecting more on the green agenda because COP26 is just around the corner. But actually, the word green wasn't mentioned at all. Uh, lots of big numbers, lots of words, a lot of looking back in time. Uh, I was watching a speech 40 minutes in. We'd not really heard anything. Uh, we then got a few announcements on some spending, but fairly limited, lots of little bits of spending. Um, and it all sort of felt very underwhelming towards the end. And that's such an important point, because when you put this budget into the real world, where working families are paying more for the food, they've got higher energy bills, their council taxes going up, are they really feeling better off because of this budget? I think he really needs to do a lot more about this backdrop of rising living costs, uh, inflation forecast to be 4% next year. That's staggering. Uh, we've had the fuel crisis uh, putting more and more cost into uh, domestic fuel, uh, petrol prices. Um, and if you're a typical family uh, looking at that budget, the the backdrop of this was that the bad news had already happened. So we had the freezing of the personal allowances. We had the health and social care levy only last month, adding 1.25% to national insurance bills. Um, and there were some limited giveaways on how universal credit was tapered away. But really... This is a stealth tax move by the Chancellor. It was a very clever move to around sort of uh, uh, nine, ten months ago. And the the impact of this is really going to hit next year. So doing some numbers in the office, as we do as accountants, a family of four, one working parent earning £62,000, they are going to be £650 worse off from next April than, than what they were 10 years ago. That That's enormous. That's not a figure he mentioned yesterday, was it? No, he mentioned uh, a lot grander figure, but uh, we all said that he's actually just giving something back that he's taking away. Yeah, a, a, a stealth uh, uh, magician uh, approach. Uh, Simon, let's look at uh, some of the uh, aspects of this as they uh, affect business. Of course, it, it's been uh, a rough time for pubs and restaurants and hotels. There was some help in there for them in the budget in terms of reforms to business rates and also changes in alcohol duty. Talk us through those. Yes, so there's the uh, new business rates relief. They've obviously, a lot of retail, hospitality, leisure businesses have um, 
been in receipt of relief over the last 18 months during the pandemic. They now are going to get 50% off business rates um, up to £110,000 going forward. That's a help for those businesses. But as you say, there's also been reform of alcohol duty, which is, yes, it's a simplification, but it's still a change. It still has complexity in there. Um, they're going to be faced with higher costs in staff. The living wage is going up, and a lot of these businesses are paying the staff the living wage. So that's another cost to the business. They've got Again, that. It's, that, it's that point that when you take the budget announcements and put them in the real world, it doesn't look as useful as the Chancellor it, might have claimed. Exactly. It doesn't look as rosy. They've got Yes, they've got a reduction in their rates that they haven't been paying for 18 months anyway. So yes, it's relief but they haven't been paying it. So it's not been factored into what they've been um, operating on at the moment. Some of these businesses are still only just kind of reopening. They're struggling to get staff in the first place. They're now going to be paying those staff more. From April, they're going to have to be paying the employers part of the national, uh, of the national, the social care levy. And, and it's increased cost. Alcohol duty relief uh, changes, I think, are good. As long as they're available to everyone, they need to be available to the sports clubs that get their their money from the local sports clubs that get their get a lot of their money from the bar. Are they going to be able to avail from the uh, the draft relief and make my my pint three p cheaper when I go and watch when I go and watch my local sport? That's the sort of thing that we need in the economy. Is that is those smaller businesses being able to avail from all of these reliefs? I thought but, at one point yeah, at one point. Um, the Chancellor said, alcohol duty defies common sense. Well, I would argue to say that actually the whole UK tax system defies yeah. common sense. He he could have been braver. Um, I think he wants to be a Chancellor uh, when he took on the job to be a braver Chancellor on reforming tax. He's just not had the opportunity really. But I thought that was quite a telling moment. But is that is this the first tax he reforms? And is he going to start in the future reforming other taxes? Um, we'll wait and see. I think he's gone with the easy ones to reform uh, early on. You, you could say the UK tax system is why we need alcohol. Uh, Rob, <laughs> looking at uh, some of the other uh, changes as they affect uh, business, he, he talked a lot about uh, boosting research and development, and he yeah. made some important changes there. For companies that uh, for whom this is important, what would their thinking be this morning? What level of detail are they having to try to get come to terms with? Yes, I think there'll be a, a fair bit of head scratching this morning. So the Chancellor, interestingly, um, initially announced a, a small extension to the technical scope of the rules, which was very welcome. But then he soon uh, essentially announced a, a very a very large reduction in the scope of that relief by cutting out um, activities that are undertaken offshore. So that's going to be difficult for a lot of businesses who will set up their main hub for research and development in the UK, but need to access skills abroad. Um, so they'll have teams in other jurisdictions who all come together to, to to undertake those activities. So it's going to be difficult for those businesses to know how they're going to approach that going forwards. You know, they can't just wholesale move everything to the UK. So they're going to have to completely rethink their strategy. So I that's think. the interesting point, because he would argue that the, the, the purpose of this change is to make them bring that research to the UK. Yeah, I, I, exactly right. But I think that's not in practice. That's not possible. Um, try, try as you try as you might, you can't always get everyone that has the right skills to come and do the R and D in the UK. We might want that. I don't know how they're going to reform the visa system to make it easier. They talked about they would be doing that, and technical visas would be easier to achieve. But are you going to be able to get the people to do the R and D that's currently done not in the UK, and it's not done in the not in the UK for reasons of anything other than the people aren't here to do it? The wider backdrop to that as well is that um, the Treasury have become increasingly concerned, I think, with the cost of that relief, which has been going up year by year. So I think there was a feeling that something had to be done to reduce the cost of the Exchequer. 
Um, and, and we'll see more activity, I think, from the revenue in looking at claims that companies are making to make sure they're valid and within, within the relief. Nimish, is the UK more attractive to outside investment, to investment from technology companies uh, than it was last week? I don't think the budget has done anything to change that. The UK is a is an incredibly attractive place to do business, good corporate law, good tax system, actually, despite what we're saying now. Um, we were the envy, or we are the envy of the world in terms of our venture capital regime. Tax release are incentivizing private investment into businesses. We've talked about our R&D regime. We do have a relatively low rate of corporation tax and have done for many years. Uh, so in terms of attracting investment into the UK and I think the Chancellor can do more under the backdrop of Brexit and being a more competitive regime. I don't think we're a million miles away. Uh, Rob, of course, with budgets, you also look at what wasn't said rather than what was said. The What were the dogs that didn't bark yesterday? So I think there's, there's probably a couple of things on that. So firstly, we're still heading, uh, as announced, for a 25% corporation tax rate from April 2023. Actually, I don't think we'll ever see that rate. Um, I think the, the Chancellor is hoping that the economy picks up and he's able to cut that to maybe 23% um, from April 23. I think the wider backdrop on that is with a with a global minimum rate agreed at 15%, actually 25% is quite out of step with where other countries are going to be. So from an international competitive, competitiveness perspective, I think that probably does need to be cut before it comes in. The other big one, which wasn't touched, touched on at all, despite uh, a lot of rumours in recent months, was capital taxes. So I'm talking here predominantly about capital gains tax, but also inheritance tax. Um, the Chancellor has kept the capital gains tax rate at, at 20%, which internationally is very competitive and is obviously much lower than, than rates of income tax and national insurance that higher earners will be paying. So the government have consulted on that previously, but those consultations have kind of just been parked. Um, but I think it is the elephant in the room and it, and it will be looked at at some point and there will be reform. I thought what he might do because he has been under pressure from the Labour opposition. Keir Starmer has said, why is capital gains tax still kept at 20% when we've had the health and social care levy? So I felt before the budget that he might introduce the health and social care levy to capital gains, but he didn't make that move. I just wonder whether we could see a capital gains tax increase from April 2023. So to announce this time next year, which would then serve to boost capital gains, business sales, boost the treasury coffers as well. What about climate? We have the global climate conference in Glasgow at the time that we're talking that's taking place uh, this weekend. It's a big international event. The prime minister is going to be there. And yet climate barely came up at all in I, the budget. I think he said the word green probably once in that entire speech. Uh, but Simon, you've got some views on that. So I, I don't know if he's hold, was holding some green um, agenda co uh, responses back for next week. He'll announce them at COP26 and with big fanfare, get the press for those, the positive PR that will come with it, um, try and stop some of the complaints around the increase in air passenger duty, um, which clearly is not a green uh, a green change. So I, I suspect he's holding that back. I don't know what, he, what he's going to say. I suspect increased investment um, and reliefs for investment in green criteria. There were some comments around um, for business rates and if you qualifying expenditure will not be subject to business rates. So if you build a, a greener warehouse, solar panels, that kind of thing, you won't have to pay business rates for the first year. I suspect there's more of that to come over the next week or so. Because in, in previous budgets, he talked about the environmental sector, the green sector being the source of jobs and growth for the future. 
he, he did. So it was actually quite disappointing where we are in the cycle, in the political cycle, and the emphasis on the green agenda to net zero, COP26 round the corner, that businesses haven't yet got the clarity on what they need to do to become greener, to get to that target. Businesses and individuals all need to collectively strive towards that. Yeah, the government haven't given us anything about tax incentives, which I think will be at the core of what businesses need to do or to encourage them on what they need to do to get to that that target. And I think, Nimesh, the point you just said there around clarity, that's what businesses, their owners, don't have from this budget. They don't have any clarity about what's going to happen in 12 months, 24 months' time. They don't know should they be investing in something now in their business, should they be holding off for six months to invest in it because the tax rates will change. We know the annual investment allowance has been continued for another year at a million pounds, but actually with a super deduction, it doesn't make necessarily that much difference anyway. And, and therefore, what any business owner really wants is, should I be investing more in my business now? Should I be doing something else with my money? And if they get certainty and clarity over what the future is going to hold, they're more likely to be doing that investment, which is what this country needs to grow the economy, which, as we've already said, is what Rishi needs to ensure that the tax rates don't need to increase. The, the sense I'm getting from our discussion is that what's going to be really interesting is what happens next. We, we've, Rob, you talked about the the planned rise uh, in uh, corporation tax. That final stage of it may not happen. That may be cancelled. We know that he's spending more money and he did a big tax grab back in March. But he also said that he wanted to reduce or to have taxes reducing by the time we get to the next election. What's it, What's happening next? What's he got penciled in between now and then? He, he did say in his speech, I want to be the chancellor that reduces taxes. He was very clever in his wording, actually. He said, reduce taxes, not be a chancellor of low taxes. And that's why I agree with Rob that I think we will see a cut to that corporation tax rate. He's rolling the dice on the strength of the economic recovery. We've already seen a little bit of a door opener on that. Uh, the projections say, or the uh, uh, the projections say that we're doing better than what we thought following the pandemic. Now, if this time next year, the economy is recovered to even a greater extent. I, th- I think he can be that chancellor that does reduce the tax burden. But we're in that political cycle now. I think Sunak and Boris have got their eye on the next election in 2024. This is the start of that journey. I think Sunak's been looking at what George Osborne and David Cameron did in the mid-2010s. He's clearly been watching the Blair and Brown documentary and he's saying, I want to be the, the chancellor like Gordon Brown. And they're lining themselves up for that next majority win. How much of a gamble is that? If it's relying on a strong recovery being sustained over the next year or so, is that baked in? Do we think that's a certainty? It It's so uncertain. We live in a very uncertain world. Look at what's happened over the last 18 months. Um, I don't think he's got a choice, though. Taxation levels are incredibly high. The debt, the, the, the cost of the national debt is $2 trillion. It's as big as the economy. So what can he do? I think he does have to gamble. Um, But the signs are there. The green shoots have been there for a long time now. The strength of the vaccine rollout underpinning all of that. So I think he's right to do that. But wow, I wouldn't want to be in the job this time next year because I think it's going to be a really, really difficult budget. Very close then to the next election. He's got to put those policies in place that do win those votes. Nimish, Rob and Simon, thank you very much. Uh, Really fascinating discussion and uh, dissecting 
uh, the government's plans and the thinking behind it. You can keep up with all the developments, thoughts and insights following the budget on our budget hub, which you can find either on the website www.blickrothenburg.com or you can search for Blick Rothenburg Autumn Budget. On that hub, you'll find a range of tools to help you navigate the new changes and understand how the budget might affect you. You'll also find our new tax calculator there, which can help you work out the personal effects of the budget. I'm Declan Curry. This has been the Blick Rothenberg Brave Business Podcast. Thank you so much for being part of our conversation.